Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to, I believe this is episode 63. 64. 64. Oh man, I'm losing count. I'm losing count. Episode 64 of Artsy Fartsy Immigrants, and we are in a brand new spanking, shiny, glorious, wonderful location that we wish we could show you. <laughs> we wish, yeah. That's the thing. We wish we could show you. We will show you very soon, hopefully. Yeah, we're here together, me and Mo, in the brand new video podcasting studio at M94.5. And it's really great. This is what we talked about. If you heard the show last week about the reason why we met up was basically to talk about this. Uh, very soon, and we were planning for this week, um, just some technical issues. But we... Um, yeah, so for, 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 for tonight... It's yeah. the podcast studio. You, for tonight, you gotta yeah. sadly take the, the the video out of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, tonight is just like a, a really a really pretty uh, just podcast studio. Yeah, yeah. but it's cool. Um, and we do we do still have a great guest uh, coming soon. Just to um, oh yeah, I forgot we we're moving this um, this promo to the end, right? Yeah. Right. So let's just jump in. So um, we're at N94.5 and hopefully, hopefully really soon, at least by the next guest, we can get this up and running and we're going to go ahead and get a good fresh rebranding for the podcast. I want to get like, we're going to have some new photos, some new fonts, some, we're going to branch into video. So we're going to obviously have like a YouTube and be able to cut some clips up for social. And I'm really, really pumped about that. Um, yeah. So, is there anything else on your mind before we jump right in? I don't think so. Okay, I'm really wait till the the, the very end. We got some we got some news for you, right? Also, also regarding um, the thing we mentioned last week, um, right? Talking about Jordan's album pre-orders and probably pretty cool merch that could be there if you take part. But we'll. That's we'll right. Keep that for the end. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Stick around for for that. That's that's. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, we have a really great guest today. Very very funny. Very friendly. Very humble man uh, from India, living here in Munich. He's a stand up comedian. His name is Gagan Gopal. Hi, Gagan. Hey, Jordan. Thanks for having me, guys. How are man. you? Good, dude. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you here. It's a shame that we can't show your beautiful face. You showered and everything. <laughs> yeah, I took a shower. I thought it'd be a video podcast. <laughs> I'm completely. Uh, I I also put on some perfume, but uh, yeah, I smell great. I just I want to tell you, tell everyone who's listening to this, I smell great, and I took a shower. Uh, I I mean, I vouch for him. I think he smells great. Yeah, I think that's that's the next level. Probably next week we'll have video, and the week after you can also smell. Our guest, I'm I'm not sure, but we're sorry to 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 put all this um, as it turned out unnecessary pressure on you. Uh, you mean the smelling part or get, <laughs> like being smelled? <laughs> I mean, in general, the preparations I mean, you did to, to be on camera. I mean, we were going to smell you either way, but <laughs> we're sorry we pressured you into smelling differently than you would have. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I always enjoy people smelling me. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, yeah, it's super cool to have you on the show. I remember, um, I think it was, no, 2020, we didn't do that. Was it, no, was it early 2020 or 2019 when we did this improv show together? I think it was, uh, or oh, it cannot be early 2020. I think it was late 2019. Yeah, because I remember it was, yeah. wasn't it chilly outside? Or maybe it was like, maybe it was like fall. Maybe it was like fall yeah. 2019 or something. And we had no idea. So I think, 
uh, I'm hoping it was, I, I think August or September of 2019 because yeah. uh, improv season was going on. I think the improv, um, I don't know, Municon, I think usually they have their Right, sessions. it was a festival or something, right? It was a festival, yes, yes, it was a festival. Ah, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, we had um, we had our mutual friend uh, Emma on the show a few episodes ago. I don't know if you got to check out that one. Uh, the the episode, yes, I saw, the, I heard the episode. Emma is so great; she's my good friend, and uh, she was so lovely and funny in the episode too. She's she's amazing. She was a great guest. Yeah, it's gonna be hard for you to live up to the expectations I have for you after that. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, oh I'm man! Uh, quickly, Jordan, I've met you. Uh, Tom, we've never met, right? Or Mo, Mo, we have never Mo, met. Mo, I'm so sorry. No big deal. <laughs> but you I'm are so, so Tom from now on. <laughs> I mean, so you Tom. look like a Tom. I mean, in the video, I can see you, but. Uh, <laughs> I was super confused because Jordan and I actually talked about the Tom before we recorded. And so I, I, in my head, it was like, okay, how does he know about him? Oh, I, I know Tom, I know Tom Sidak. Is that right? Oh wait, no time. Ah, Cy- that makes sense. Uh, yeah, that's the name of the of the of the Zoom account we're using. Oh, that, <laughs> we should have told you. That yeah. makes so much sense, right? Yeah, right, right, right. Okay, okay. no, but it's Mo. But no, uh, no, no big deal. No, I don't think we have ever met each other. I've only seen that you already played at uh, Holzkranich, mm-hmm. if I'm right. Um, and I know one of the guys who at least used to run uh, these these open mics. They do. I know. Uh, I don't know if you know him, Sebastian Ulrich. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah he's my, I know him. He's my, my buddy, Sebastian <laughs> Ulrich. Yeah, Basti. Oh, Mo, n- nice to meet you, man. I've never met you, so yeah. I I was a bit worried. I, I thought it'll be only Jordan, but uh, it's nice to see another friendly face, Mo. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, Mo and uh, I. Mo and I've been doing. Uh, let's hope it stays friendly. Yeah, let's hope this. <laughs> um, we're watching you, man. No, it's uh, me and Tom have been doing this show since the beginning <laughs> no this is like yeah it's episode 64 we used to do it once a month now now we got into the habit of once a week ever since corona hit because we had more time and it made more sense to like we were home and we had you know why not just do more episodes um but yeah it's uh, he's been producing and co-hosting the show since the since the very start so that was really cool i remember the when we came up like well i had the idea for the show and i had recorded the first one but then I remember we were on this tour. We were in Brighton, the the tour that we can't yeah. seem to talk about enough <laughs> on this show. We talk, we like, um, he plays bass in my band, and we we have brought up the fact that we played in Brighton. I think more times than we than more than like more than the amount of guests that we've had on the show. Sure thing, sure thing. <laughs> like like a hundred <laughs> times, where we're like, did you guys know that we traveled? <laughs> and I remember that we were staying in this Airbnb, and then yeah, I, I just remember we were sitting like across from each other on the different beds, like maybe just like s- squatting over our beds on our phone, and I was like. Hey man, I have this idea and I just want to, I don't know why we were talking about it, but then you, yeah, you just mentioned like, did you know that I'm like the head of the podcasting station or whatever in 94.5? And then, yeah, we gave it a run we pitched it and then it now worked. We're here. Now we're here. It's great, really cool. Great. Now we're here talking to you, my friend. Yes. I'm very happy. So when did you, when did you move to Munich from India? And, and well, maybe we should even go further back. Like where in India are you from? From uh, Bengaluru, 
I, do you know Bangalore? It's called Bengaluru. It's south of India. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, I was not born in Bengaluru, but I was born close to Bangalore. It was, uh, it's called Hassan, three hours away. And it's in the south. Uh, if either of you have heard of it, it's called the Silicon Valley of uh, India. So it's yeah. called uh, the Silicon Valley of India? Really? Yeah. 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 It's the Silicon City. So there are like <laughs> hundreds of so tech, tech companies back in Bangalore. And they had this tech oh. boom, I think, 20 years back. And they're doing really well because of that. You know, the, the, a lot of tech companies there. Ah, okay. I didn't even, I didn't even know about that. Did, did your family work in, that, in the tech industry? No, my dad had a government job. He's retired now. Last year he retired. And my mom is a beautiful homemaker. You know, she's, uh, yeah, amazing, amazing at that. But, uh, and my sister is a lawyer, by the way. What? She turned, what? Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. So she, she studied and finished her law last year. And uh, now she's practicing. She's, I don't know, what, what do they do? Do they practice? I don't know what they I do. I guess they practice law, yeah. Dude, I feel really similar to you on this because my, um, in my immediate family, you have one sister, but I have one brother. But the mm-hmm. connection to like the jobs that they have and what we do feels so similar in the way that my mom worked for a long time, but for most of my growing up, she was also just a lovely homemaker. And then my dad, um, you know, he he's like a safe environmental and workplace safety, like mm-hmm. civil, I don't know, like some sort of engineer for, for safety and environmental safety for big companies. And then my brother, he only ever wanted to be a doctor. He wanted to be a lawyer. He wanted to be an architect. He used to draw out house sketches on this big canvas in his bedroom. Wow. And now he does um, sort of tech services for he does everything combined he does everything combined. (laughs) he does uh like tech services for big um computer uh programs like big computer systems anyway something very complicated and then me just like fiddling around with guitar and you know talking like spitting into a microphone and it's just a very it's funny how like you know you have like the serious jobs and then people like us come out and we're like i don't want to (laughs) though you know (laughs) No, I think even my sister, she's doing law. She's doing pretty great at it. Uh, she, I'm, I don't trust her anymore. Once she got into law, she's like, yeah, I don't know if I can tell you everything what I really feel. Because, uh, <laughs> oh, really? People, yeah. I mean, people in law, it's always a bit sketchy. You know, you have to just, the truth is bended. Everything is strange. Uh, but yeah, I'm just messing with it. But she's, she's amazing. She's always more mature in the, comp- in the house too more mature than me, my dad, and my mom. She's like, oh, she's more calm and civilized. Right. I don't know if you have the same thing with your brother, but... Oh, totally, man. Is is your sister the firstborn? No, she's younger than You're me. You're the older the one? <laughs> yeah, I'm the, oh, I'm, the, I'm the older, the black sheep or something, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it's definitely the same with my brother, but he's got four years on me. So he's always kind of been like... I mean, ever, ever since he moved out when we lived together... Um, yeah, he's always been like the, the calm voice of, of understanding and reason. I mean, he can party, he's a cool guy, but when it comes to like talking about business stuff and like mortgages and taxes and and of course credit understandings and this and that, he's always had a great grasp on that stuff and can be really calm about it all. And then me, I'm just like, I'm skitzing out like a computer with, with wires barely touching, you know, like (laughs) doesn't make any sense for me. I'm better at just like strumming <laughs> that's like that's what i do but yeah as long as you can get to brighton you know it's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. did we talk about that yet <laughs> um no but that's really interesting that like because i guess it's pretty common um 
in India that people work in more, it's hard to say, but like, is it, is it more commonplace there that people want their families to work in these established fields like law or like being a doctor or being an engineer or something? Is that still the vibe over there these days? Yes, definitely. I yeah. think for the last, uh, how many are we, it's a more stable job. You know, if you're, you're doing engineering <clears throat> or doctor, you get a job for sure. I mean, if you're studying that, so more opportunities, more stability. It's uh, as simple as that. So you have say 95 jobs are in, from engineering firms, then five jobs are, I don't know, an artist or a painter. So obviously mm -hmm. we want to be more stable and get a job in an engineering firm, do engineering. And I, I think even law is a bit odd now. So you, it, I mean, now everything is much better. You have better opportunities, you can do more. But for the last 25 years, it's stability is in engineering, doing medicine. I think, yeah, these two main fields. Okay. And you, did you ever, I mean, when you were growing up and you had this, it's probably this sort of social pressure to go into something like that. Was it the, was it the pressure to do it that may have pushed you further away from it? Or did you just not have much interest in those things? Uh, interest in engineering, you mean? No. Yeah, sure. Or, 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 you know, or, or medicine or law or something. No, I, I did have in, uh, interest in engineering, but I think I was a bit lost. Even now I'm so lost and I don't know what to do. Yeah. And I think I was part of the herd. I just, I knew a few things. Okay, I'm interested in math and science. So let me follow the herd. Let me follow, uh, yeah, this friend of mine, what this classmate he's doing. Let, let me follow him. And uh, so I, I didn't just follow him in like in a weird stalker way, but I just meant in terms of, you know, like... Uh, I was not thinking too much. And I, I think these days, I don't want to say these days, these kids, they have they have so much information. So I think they they can choose better. But I think before right. we didn't have anything, we were like, okay, you can either choose computer science or you can be you can choose biology. You know, and when we're in <laughs> yeah in, tw in twelfth grade and oh okay, I don't like to touch people, uh their blood or something. So I don't like uh, biology so let me just choose something which is less dirty computer science but for a second because we haven't touched on that uh you talking about those kids these days how old are you actually i'm <laughs> i'm 29 okay I, well, how, how old did you think he was i didn't i, I would have <laughs> guessed somewhere around the the, the big three somewhere around 30 Somewhere around 30. 29 is a good guess. I mean, 30 is a good guess for him to be 29. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's a video podcast. It's not a video <laughs> podcast anymore. <laughs> I mean, you, you look like 23, but regarding oh, right, how, right. how you talk. <laughs> Easy there, Tom. <laughs> but I just, because it is, not, it is not a video podcast, I just, uh, I just wanted to, 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 to clear it out because people are probably just going to hear this guy, yeah, these kids these days, and think like, okay, who they got? How old is he? <laughs> no, no, yeah, that is true. But I want to yeah. point out for a second that is this is kind of special, and we have a lot to touch on because you. Uh, let me put it like this: our basic white as as did manage to this day to get someone beyond a big Western world bubble. So, like you're you're the first guy that's not European or North American on the show. Is it like what, that? What Ali? We had Ali. True. Yeah, yeah. True. 
But we, we, we that's a long time we, ago. We, we have an issue of, of getting too many people out of our, our little bubble. So um, I'm super interested to, to hear more about um, like what it's like being a comedian in India because I have absolutely no clue. Or 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 tell me something about Indian comedy. <laughs> yeah, like did you did you get you know did you get inspired there? Or did that come later? Uh, quick, I, I in India I have no idea how the st comedy is going on. So I, <laughs> I, because I have to quick, I was not doing stand up there, so I started doing stand up comedy here uh, two and a half three years ago. So uh, to your question. I do have an idea how stand-up comedy is in India. It's it's pretty great. It's 10 years or eight years ahead of Germany, for sure. They're doing really well. They have amazing comedians there. And um, they're doing it for full time. They have like at least 15 to 20 top comedians who are competing against, you know, they're in Melbourne Comedy Festival and they're roaming all over the world. So yeah, we're still very new. And they had the comedy boom, I think, seven years back. And mm -hmm. Germany is going through the transition, except for Berlin. They had a long time ago. But yeah, Munich, it's taking, I think it's, we are eight years behind. Germany's eight years behind. Yeah, in, in terms of the comedy scene. Dude, not even just comedy. I think Germany's 10 years behind in, I mean, it's catching up a little bit nowadays with, with music culture a touch. But I always feel like it's just like just especially with tech. I mean, if, especially with like simplifying uh, simplifying something that maybe maybe America not to like toot my own horn, but like would have would have had like because they're looking for simplicity and they're looking for. I'm trying to think of this. What's like uh, convenience? Convenience. Yes. They're looking for like the most convenient thing to just do it easily. And you look at the vaccination website. Oh, man, I hate it. What it's a joke. <laughs> Why are they taking so long? It's what a joke. It's like this. I Windows, haven't been on that side, though. <laughs> it's like a pranked out Windows 95 website that oh, has like it's all 8 bit and like blocky and <laughs> it loads like a picture. Like when you look at porn <laughs> no. in high school, it's ridiculous, dude. <laughs> and then you go and then in America, they're like, oh, I just got the app. I got the vaccine already. It's like, what? what why don't we have that? Why don't we have like a really simple like. Click, push, done. Okay, I'm in the system. This took me like two different attempts to like click through all these suggestions to get my thing the way that I'm arranged with my blah, 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 blah. And then it was like, we'll send you an email. I never heard anything back. No. I don't even know if I'll get it. Germany's way behind. In, even in tech, they don't want to invest too much in research. I think safety, security is huge in Germany. So, I mean, of course, this is a common stereotype. I saw this uh, ad. I mean, I think it's like a meme or something on uh, online. Someone had posted a URL on the newspaper. It's like a 50-character URL. <laughs> <laughs> and they were, it is, Germany is really behind. And I think even India in some ways is so ahead. You know, the, you know there's an app in India where I can get milk at 10 in the night. I can get just click something. I can get milk or a cigarette. I mean... I can get anything. Isn't that crazy? That's I mean, really Germany, awesome. I, even getting things from supermarket, I have to. I have to go myself. I mean, and before eight, and before eight. Oh man! I mean, I, <laughs> and I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to rant too much about Germany. I really love the country, but at the same time, the cons are pretty strong. In I mean, they're behind. I don't. I think they're 
have to catch up a bit. Dude, I have to be honest. If there would ever be a place that you could vent about your troubles with Germany, I think you are in the most perfect place to do it. I mean, it's artsy fartsy immigrants, man. Yeah. Like your perspective on stuff is what we want to hear. I have plenty of issues too with it. The supermarket thing bothers me so much. I hate that we can't go there on Sundays. I'm so used to, um, I don't know, like 7-Elevens or just deals that are like a, like a 24 hour shop or like these Berlin kiosks or something that are open, you know, in Munich, it's all just very to this Catholic sort of routine. I don't know. Moe's roll, Tom over here is rolling his eyes like, you don't understand. It's actually really respectful to... No, no I'm kidding. No, absolutely not, <laughs> I'm man. kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> but... Um, it's the worst Mo impression ever. Okay, but um, <laughs> since we touched on Indian comedy for a bit and you started here, we'll get to that, I, I, obviously. But when did you move to Germany? Uh, 2013, end of 2013 or 2004, yeah. In October, I came here to do my master's in uh, automotive software because I'm, I was still very excited. I, I'm still, I'm very excited about um, working on software, which is very close to the hardware. So I'm in, uh, let's say, a hardware software engineer. So I work really close to the software. I work with sensors. I, I like building prototypes. And that is something which I'm really excited about. And in the I think I came here to do my master's uh, in 2013, end of 2013. And I was focused on more in the automotive field, mostly because there are a lot of companies here like BMW, Mercedes-Benz. And I wanted right. to see what's the latest technology happening in this field. And yeah, that's that's when I came here. So it was just the, the auto industry that led you to Germany, basically. Like you, yeah. you looked around for schools and you're like, okay, what has like the greatest car industry and tech? And went for Germany, right? Yeah. So I had no idea about comedy, nothing. I had, I was just like, I was more excited about the opportunities here mm -hmm. in terms of, um, uh, you know, like, as you said, the car in, um, in the automotive industry. And I knew few things uh, were much better in terms of education here. I mean, but of course, I mean, I, one thing which was really great was it was cheaper compared to, I didn't want to spend so much on higher education. So that is something which was quite clear to me. What is the, I mean, what is like the difference between getting an education like that in India as opposed to Germany? Well, in India, I mean, of course you can get that education, but the number of opportunities, you should be in a top cream. You should be 1% to get into an, uh, an institute like that. I could have, I mean, I think I did get into a few universities in, this, into this, in the States, But uh, yeah, I didn't want to spend so much on education right then. So I was like, no, nah, Germany is better. So a few things I wanted to spend uh, here. I think the value was much better in that way. So that was, that was really like your main focus for most of your time growing up in India was, um, you know, getting into an industry like that and trying to get into a school like that. That was, was that like, or did you have, did you have like hobbies or interests that, that, made you feel a little black sheepish, you know, other, other than like getting into comedy later? Oh man, I think I was not smart enough. I still, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not smart. I mean, I have to like make this clear. I'm just speaking so much crap, but I'm not smart enough to get into those. I mean, I realized that quite early. I mean, I, even though I wrote those exams, I knew in the back of my mind, like, what, what am I doing? It's, it's not you. It's, But I just, you know, I, as I told you before, I was just following the herd. 
And right. I, I was so lost then. I used to write all the exams. Oh, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. I mean, there's a saying in India where you should do engineering and then find your passion. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so, that's super good, man. And so that's what you did. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. I I followed that rule too. I just like, okay, let me be safe. It's It's a good combination of safety and security before... You know, explore exploring other passions, other things. I just wrote this down. You should do engineering and then find your passion. <laughs> That's so good, man. <laughs> and um, so you came for your masters. What? And we talked a lot about pros and cons about living in Germany, but what ultimately made you stay here? What? Oh man, there's so many good reasons. Uh, firstly. I do enjoy, I mean, I had great company. I had great friends here. Um, I was quite lucky in the university. I had like a big group of friends, like 10 to 15 of them. I, uh, and my girlfriend was also here. Uh, she was in a different university and we've been together. I mean, my current wife, by the way, I don't want her to kill me later. So, <laughs> <laughs> so my then girlfriend, so she was here, but I, I think the mo the most important reason was okay if you're doing your masters here it's really important there's no use of doing masters here and then just going back so I would I wanted to work here for a while see actually how the culture is I mean the work culture is and then get back that was my initial plan okay I'm going to work I'm going to study here I'm going to work for a while get some experience and then uh, yeah get back home and uh, serve uh, you know contribute to the my society so my home build something there you know, back in the city. Yeah. So this is this was my plan when I got here. Right. What made me stay here? Well, apart from my friends here and apart from you, I, I did enjoy, I, I think I started being more comfortable about everything here. I really enjoyed. Like you uh, adjusted to it and it just felt more like, you didn't feel as much that you were in this new alien world, but more like, okay, it's just, I'm in Germany and this is kind of my home now. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's, I would, I was comfortable, but at the same time, I really enjoyed few parts of the work culture. It's so direct. I, I really enjoyed. Uh, there's no pretense, and I was yeah, a bit worried about example? that. Oh man, um, how do I exp uh, pretense? As in, did did I? For example, the the other day, uh, I. I spoke to an intern. I was like, hey, uh, I need, to, uh, do you have some time? I mean, uh, can you get this? I mean, I think I just saw this. Sorry, let me re-tell you the story. Uh, I was sitting here and my intern was sitting, the, this intern who was sitting in front and the, the project manager, he came and he was like, hey, can you get this done uh, to this intern? Do you have some time? And the intern was like, uh, no, I'm busy. Can we talk about this later in, I don't know, four hours or something? And I'm like, what? How could he speak to the project manager like that? That's, there's no, that's pretty crazy for me. And uh, yeah. yeah, I realized then it's like, okay, this is, this <laughs> is great. Because the respect to time, no hierarchy in terms of, you know, and I really enjoy that. That's, that's, that's everything. That is really cool. That is really cool. I mean, when, so when your wife, um, when you said that she was also studying at a different school here, did you guys decide together that you were going to go to Germany or did someone come before the other one or did you have that work? 
Well, I think we did this. We didn't decide as such. We were, I mean, we were both okay. We had this one philosophy before. Okay, we we're like one day at a time. So we didn't know what is going to happen in the future. So um, I got, she got into the university here. She had applied, and uh, six months later, I got into it. Some other university. So we were quite clear. We were quite career driven. So we didn't want to take any decisions based on the relationship. Mm-hmm. It was mostly on our own careers. So we didn't. Even the subject she took was completely different from what I took. So we were quite clear of what we wanted, and we were chasing that. And uh, it was a great coincidence that she also landed in the same country as I did. That's unbelievable, man. I mean, that that's so lucky because she could have ended up. I mean, she could have ended up ended up in Tokyo or something. For yeah. you know, for her studying, and then you would have been here in Munich, and then who knows how long you would have been apart, you know? Yeah, that is that is something I think I took it for granted too. I was like, ah, it's gonna work out. It always in my life, I I always thought, ah, it's gonna work out. But uh, I think I'm quite lucky in few few ma- uh, in few things. But uh, yeah, that I, I am quite grateful that we did land up in the same country, even though we were like seven hours apart. I was in the north and she was in the south in Freiburg, by the way. Mo, you should know this. Yeah. It's a be- beautiful city. And she she was there and we used to, and we didn't also, we, it was long distance, you know, for one and a half years or two years and even more I mean, when we were working. But uh, yeah. We took it one day at a time, and I'm so happy it worked out. That's so crazy, man. That's so incredible. So I, I do want to talk a little bit. Um, I mean, I feel like we're hitting these big topics, but there's so many little things in between that I want to like pick and pull from. But you know, I can only look at Munich's creative um, venues and creative pockets from a musician standpoint. And of course, I have a lot of interest in stand-up comedy, but it's not something that I can do. I, I've definitely understood that. So. Um, what I like, or what I want to know actually is like, from your perspective, how long were you living in Munich before you decided to try that? And well, we can start there. And then like, do you have, you know, favorite places to perform and why and stuff like that? Uh, how long? I think I stayed here for three months before my first improv class. You know, I think Jan, I came here Jan 2017. I came to Munich. And March, mid of March, I was in an improv class somewhere. Did you Jody. see like a flyer somewhere, or how did you find it? I oh, that's a great question. I think I was, uh, I think I was looking something up online. I wanted to try a few things, uh, maybe meet up. I don't know where it was. I think I searched some things online, and I was like, oh, there's so many things here. And I, I was in a small town before. I was in Tubingen. Mo, you should know Tübingen. Yeah. <laughs> Every time you name a city, can you please call him out? Yeah, I was living in Tübingen. <laughs> can he hear these drops? I guess so. Can you hear the one? Oh, yeah, I can. <laughs> yes. Yes, we have drops. I love it. So I was in uh, Tübingen. And um, yeah, so when I came to Munich, I, oh, my God, there's so many cool things to do in the city and I was like oh improv classes these classes and I just saw this and uh, Jody was ho- uh, hosting it and I just went there and there were like three people so this was comedy related right so and when did I start my first open mic I think probably it took eight more months or one year later because did you have a thing like you, you enjoyed improv but it like that you you knew you needed to kind of do something else 
Yeah, yeah. You were like, I need to write my own jokes. Yeah, I was... There's so many uh, positives about improv. I love improv, the entire culture. Yeah. I was quite lucky to be in a, a great group, very supportive. And you, and you're great also, Jordan. Stop uh, it. Oh, Mo, you should know that, right? <laughs> no, I don't. I absolutely have no idea um, of your, your, your skill set regarding improv. Get out of here, Tom. Uh, he was great. I, it was a good team. Thing, it was a good team. We were great. I mean, you, me, and Emma, no? It was. Yeah. Uh, but something for me, improv, I, I found it a bit. It was not, it was a hit and a miss. Sometimes it used to work, sometimes it didn't work. Right. I was really curious about what makes people laugh. So that something was really interesting for me. And I wanted to also have more control of the crowd, you know, like, what, how can I make sure that they laugh? Okay, this is what. Right. And so these two things I wanted to really chase. Okay. I wanted to, and in improv, I knew that one night it could be a hit or a miss with the same group, you know, everything. Yeah. It's always so a gamble. Lo- it's always a yeah, gamble. It's, it's always a gamble and it's a lot of variables and everything else. But when improv works, it's amazing. Yes, so, dude. It's like, it's like taking a extremely strong drug or something. When you get that, like when you just kill, when you just have this roaring laughter from the crowd, from something that you and like two other people made complete nonsense into some sort of, you know, tangible storyline. And it just happens to land on this perfect, like, and that's why I don't call her potato pants anymore or something. And it's just like, it's like the best feeling ever, man. For for someone who's who's never got a, got a glimpse of this of this whole world of stand-up comedy and obviously I've seen stand-up comedians and so on but I've I've never wondered the way you have done about okay what does it work how do, how does this this craft work to make people laugh etc just in one sentence probably you guys how, how can you in an improv class how can you train that what do you what what do they they coach you oh I mean I don't I don't know how your experience was uh with it but um I mean, because so improv, you know, it's it's it started as training for actors to yeah. keep, to keep their minds fresh and to get keep, stay on their toes. And there was more like there are a lot of physical games that just remind you that to be present on the stage and to to kind of bounce the the personalities and the attitudes off of each other. And um, and then I, you know, I'm not so informed, I guess, on who branched things into what and when, but. Then they formed into into different games and became as this huge thing now, like all over the world. But um, I, I don't know. We didn't like. I wouldn't say that in improv, anyone tries to teach you to be funny. I think if they're teaching you to be funny, then you're going to be really unfunny. But it's more like either you kind of have an idea or you don't, and it's more about. I mean, the whole key is the yes ending. You know, like someone you have to really, really. That's the training. You really, really just have to know when someone tosses you something, they, they, you, you walk onto a stage and someone looks at you and they say absolutely anything. Mm-hmm. You have to completely agree instantly. I'm here with you. Like you just told me to, to get the, um, get the coals out of the fire before the dragon comes back. Okay. Boom. We're in this, we're in this dungeon. There's coals burning. There's a dragon coming. Who else could be coming? What am I dressed as? No. You know, what am, you have to like play this world. You're instantly committed and when you're both committed, 
usually something really funny comes up anyway because you're just bouncing and bouncing and then you you see that someone's setting up something. Okay. They're like teeing up the ball for you. And if you hit that mark, it's like it's Okay, gold. that's the, the hit and miss Gagan you 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 mentioned. And yeah. But but stand up comedy is a whole another craft, like intentionally building up something. Yeah. So improv, as Jordan said, it's about yes anding. Yeah. It's about being okay to make mistakes, to failing on stage. And all mistakes are encouraged, you know, so they, oh, okay, we can learn something from the mistakes and it's okay to make a mistake. So that is something really huge in improv. And so many people make it as a philosophy. Okay. And I, I, re I found it, that to be great insight. And it's, it's okay. Nothing's going to happen if you die on stage. So with that, I think I learned a bit of courage. Okay. Now, okay. I, I, I realized I was funny with improv stuff. But secondly, stand-up, it is a different ball game, but you are uh, you're being more precise about how you're getting the laughs. Yeah. In improv, you're, okay, you're just saying, uh, I say something and they might laugh or they might not. And in stand-up, you are saying exactly this line. And again, they might laugh or they might not, but mm. you know now, sit down and you, you ask yourself, why are they laughing? Why are yeah. they not laughing? Like so, every I, every word is like this. I mean, right? Like every word is this completely intentional choice of where yeah. your where your breaks are, where you talk faster, where you talk slower, where you might have a facial expression with something. Everything. Like, so yeah, it is improv. Is uh, improv is like this goody goody brother, but if stand up is like badass, depressed. <laughs> um, he's the leather jacket with the cigarette like improv is the engineer and and stand up is the comedian stand up is the comedian <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, I mean if you don't hate yourself and if you do stand up there is something wrong There, I mean there, yes. you need yeah. validation from 40 people that's crazy I mean I know I mean it, it's completely I, I'm, I think I'm being more oh you, do, you have to hate yourself to be stand up but it is really harmful sometimes, you know, you, no one is laughing at you and you still have to get on stage the next day. Right. And that is something you can, I mean, it, you need to build up to that. It doesn't come that easily. How many sets were you doing on average on your busiest weeks? Five to six. Uh, I used to be on wow. stage five to six. Um, but that was like rare moments in, uh, in Munich, you know, when everything was together, I think 2018. Yeah. Uh, it was a great time in Munich, a lot of open mics. And we used to have an open mic every night in German and like a couple of nights, I think one or two in English. So in English, there were fewer, mm -hmm. but in German, almost every night we had an open mic. And oh, there was a, such a great ball to play around. Man, that's 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 some effort, dude. That's crazy. But that's definitely what it takes. Like whenever you hear about anybody who who, you know, makes it to a certain level where you you hear about them, you can check them out online or something, or maybe they become mega famous like Chappelle or whatever. Then you you always hear about like, oh yeah, back in the early days, I was doing like you know ten sets a week. I would go over to the comedy cellar, then I would take the F train over to the, you know, the laugh the laugh a lot club or whatever, and then they're like. You know, they're, uh, if you're really trying to get a spot in certain places, like I guess this is mainly New York, but trying to get a spot into a club, um, either you're kind of paying to do it, like you have your own like drink minimum to do it, or um, they have a thing called barking, 
where you, you're the guy on the corner with the flyers being like, hey, tonight we're going to have, uh, you know, we're going to have Chris Rock and Pete Holmes and, uh, you know, Sam Morrell coming up tonight. And then you just get the flyers thrown back in your face. But if you get, if you get the people to come, if you can get some tourists to come, to come into the club, maybe you can do like the 11 p.m. or 12 a.m. set. So it's such a dog eat dog business in the States, man. But did you ever, do you, do you feel this sort of like desperate, not desperate, but this like hunger in the other comics here, the same way that you hear about it in like other people's stories? There is hunger, but I feel the number of people who are hungry are, are less in, in, in Munich. Whereas in New York, I, I like that it is dog eat dog world. Uh, well, because it is, it's been there for years. I mean, that is the birthplace, the Mecca you know, yeah. of comedy. So you have comedy seller and comedy store and it, it, it's unbelievably great there. And P, I, when I say five to six times a week, it's still nothing. I mean, that was my peak. You know, that was when I was doing a lot to learn how, how things work. But you should understand, they, they go 10 times a night in New York. So they insane. do 10 times a night. So we're talking five minutes and they take a subway and go somewhere else and they keep honing every joke and that's unbelievably great for their frequency and getting better so of course here i think we have another advantage so we have more we can more stage time you know we can spend on uh, you know you can start your own open mic you can have your own club and you can be on stage for longer and try to learn what makes people laugh. What people in New York City are dying, we have it already here. We have, and we just lack, maybe we, the number of comedians are lesser because the scene is still growing. Yeah. So, and of course now it's a bit diminished, but we're gonna come back. I think it's it's gonna take some time. Uh, the number of comedians, I, I would say like 10 to 15, but the really hungry ones are very few. So like, oh, what's working? What's not working? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Do you, do you how hungry are you? Oh, I'm so hungry. I mean, are you talking about the comedy stuff? <laughs> I'm talking about comedy. <laughs> um, I was very hungry, man. I was like, you know that I think now I'm feeling a bit, okay, I'm being grateful, uh, Corona and stuff. But I, when things were going, working really well, Mo, I was so hungry. I was like, okay, I need to get this done. Every, every other night when I got on stage, I was so happy. Even if I bombed. For me, that was being on stage, try, testing a joke. Even if it's one joke, one day, that's all I cared about. Right. And it was kind of sad in other aspects because many things got affected. I was like, I was not spending too much time I'm back at home. I was cycling back. It was really crazy, but I just cared about jokes and I still care about jokes. That's it. But so when you think about writing jokes, What's your, like, what, what kind of angle do you come at it from? Like, do you, I know some people who start with a premise or they start with, a, you know, a, a sort of a, a location or something that happened to them, or are you more into setting up a story can be completely, can be completely fictional and just knowing that if I put that person in that location and I put myself in that place, then if I hit these beats, you know, like, are you more storytelling comedy or do you, are you more like formulaically just trying to plan out a, a setup and a punchline sort of like, how uh, do you, how I, do you write? I guess that's easier to ask. <laughs> so I have a couple of stages, a lot of things I experimented. Um, so f- I don't enjoy telling stories. And I think because I'm not really great at telling stories, I'm, I think I'm more of a joke guy and I also enjoy jokes. So I just like, okay, there is a setup and there's a punchline and mm-hmm. 
I like jokes which tell something about me, you know, something very like a secret and they get into a peak of who I am. So um, I just think about what, I don't think about what happened. I just feel like, okay, this is something strange, something strange. Okay, even, even, even if it's something very odd, I'll be like, okay, that's, that's an odd observation. And I just write down that observation, like in, in Google Keep or something. Mm-hmm. And then I sit back whenever just before an open mic, or one day before, I'll be like, okay, looking at this odd observation, I'm like, okay. And then I'll lock myself in a room and I'll start talking about this observation. Okay, what do I really feel about it? And then try to come up with like a funny angle for this small observation. And then when I when I find something funny, when I'm talking alone in the room for like one hour, Okay, I'll write that down. Oh, that's funny. I'll, and then I just write that down. And I'll go and say the same line on stage. And I'll see whether they laugh. If they, if they laugh, I'll try to ask myself why. If they don't laugh, I'll ask myself why, <laughs> why they're laughing. And if, they, if they're not doing, I mean, if they're laughing, if they're you know, just smiling, I, I try to answer more questions. And then it's just like repeat, rinse and repeat. It's a very sad process. You know, you have to keep doing it every, right. every time. You should have a lot of hope. Okay, this is going to work. This is going to work. So it's just trial and error with every joke. You just find yourself but having I, like, a, like a topic or a, or, a, or a noun or something and like just coming at it from every single possible angle that you possibly can think of and then seeing which ones stick like that? Well, I, I did think about that, but I, I feel... I try, tend to lean towards what I am excited about. Oh, mm. okay. I, in this particular to- uh, observation, I think it's less about topic. It's more about, okay, this is something odd, or I saw that, and what do I really feel about that? So it's more about my take on that. So it gives a little bit of insight on what who I am as a person. So when a joke tells you guys about what I really am, then, okay, then it's a joke only for, you know, that, that then I've done something right. If I tell a joke, which is just a topic, and then it's a joke, then, then it's something like, okay, it, it's just, it's not that clear who is that person on stage. Right. So, so this is a question I'm, I'm still probably struggling with. How do I uh, actually show who I am? So which is kind of like an odd question, odd direction to go. Yeah. But I mean, you know it, the thing, yeah. no? the go voice ahead. they say, but that's going to, I mean, for even in, in music, I think they have that thing. You, know, you, you have your own voice when mm-hmm. you're making. And I think I'm struggling with that. So I, I'm going to need another 10 years to find out what my jokes are actually telling about me. I mean, it makes so much sense. You know, you have, you see so many comics who, um, I mean, especially like in the old days, like back in like the Rodney Dangerfield days, you had these guys whose jokes were meant to be sort of copied and shared and spread around. And you had these like, one-liner masterpieces that anyone could just replicate and throw out. And it was just like the joke. But now it seems so prevalent that comedians connect what they're trying to make funny through their own personal experience and their own, like the emotion that they feel about something, making that like this funny thing. And that seems to me to be so much harder. I think if I ever really, um, not that I think I could, but if I ever really wanted to be a stand-up comic, I don't know that I could take a part of myself, like a story of my own that isn't already inherently funny, like an embarrassing story. I don't think that I could take it and cut it and formulate it and like mold it into this perfect curvy sort of surprise 
that a good story joke is, I would more I would probably be one of those guys who would happily be a jokester from the old days. You know, like but, take but my wife, know, please, or whatever. Take my wife, please. Even Rodney Dangerfield, you know, he's an amazing <laughs> guy. But he does say something about himself on those jokes too. I mean, even Rodney Dangerfield. I mean, you can quote him, but at the same time, there's a lot of things which is he's this old, boisterous uncle who's there in yeah. a party. Yeah. And you already have that image when that joke has been told. So it's the, the funniest uncle in the party. So that's what Dangerfield is. And he says the most oddest thing and he makes he has this funny twist. That's so true. That's so true. But I feel, I, I still, I don't know. I, I'm In the end, it should be funny, man. It doesn't matter if it's just a joke, if it's something about yourself. Uh, it is probably funnier when it's more to the truth. I mean, in whatever form, because mm -hmm. if you're just getting on stage and being truthful, but not being funny, you're not helping anyone. You just have to be funny in the end. Yeah, yeah. When it, when it comes to these like storytelling, um, the storytelling comedy style, like what are a few comedians that you really admire how they do it? And you know, like the style they have. Oh wow! I I mean, I'm sure I, there's like way too many, but just a few, yeah. you know. So, so I follow mostly joke telling uh, comedians, but storytelling. I, I, I mean, the, uh, Dave Chappelle is unbeatable in his yeah. in his arc and his stories, because even the, I mean, of course, this mo. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying mo for a random reason, but. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that baby uh, joke in, uh, uh, I think it was Killing Him Softly or somewhere? Oh man, he had this baby joke uh, where he, he goes to a ghetto and he rolls down the window and says, Oh, hey, the baby smoking on the corner? Yeah, yes, oh, baby yeah. smoking on the corner. And the entire story, the arc, oh, it's so unbelievably funny. So Chappelle... He's unbeatable in that. So, do you still feel that way even about his most recent releases like Sticks and Stones? I I think Sticks and Stones. He's just uh, he was. I mean, of course, Killing Him Softly. He was had his prime then. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, Sticks and Stones. I think now he's preaching to his to the choir. You know, he knows the he's going against the cancel culture and few things. But I think he he was funnier then. Right, right, okay. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't mean to to drag anything like political into it. I just like, despite whatever topics he's he's on in these newer specials, he still has this perfect way of telling it. Like, oh, despite yeah. if it's like really, really, you know, uh, yeah, like testing people's patience with with like this, like you said, this cancel culture stuff. But um, he's just got this unbelievable talent. Huh? But that's something um, I think we can uh, kind of compare pretty cool because just like you said yeah Dave Chappelle had his prime he used to be better and that's something we say so often about artists of of any kind is this something you guys as artists and we haven't talked so much about where you at, at in your let's call it career but is this something you you worry about or you 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 fear like I don't know 10 years from now or 20 years from now people saying yeah Jordan Prince or Gagan Gopal I liked him 20 years ago, but what he does now, <laughs> uh, I'm, okay, that is a great question. I think I would have that fear. Oh, okay, what if I'm, I, every day, Mo, I struggle with one question. 
Am I funnier than I was yesterday? Am I am I funny? So that is something we keep asking ourselves. I'm not saying Chappelle was not uh, is not funny anymore. He is still one of the funniest man on plan in this planet. Um, but you, when you know your work, you're half-assing or you're not putting your hundred percent. I mean, it's like Metallic. I mean, even Metallica or even the great hits of the best bands. You know when they're in their prime and when they get success and they, you know, they slack off a bit. Yeah. And there is a difference between that. Um, I, I I would say a good comparison is Daft Punk. You know, Daft Punk have been doing it for. I mean, they they're not there together anymore, but they've been together for so many years and they kept getting better. They kept innovating with every releases and. 2013, they released Random Access Memories and one of the best. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, just a masterpiece, yeah. Yeah, that's that's for me, like, you <clears throat> you keep getting better. Even Bill Burr, he was oh, he kept Burr. getting better. Yeah, yeah. He, he had, he's having his prime now. He's yeah. 52 or 55 or something. Isn't that yeah. crazy? That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bill Burr thing, like, really surprised me. Um, this is something but it's affects, so good. It's so good. Huh? This is something that affects you as a musician. Like, worrying, okay... I'm working on the next record. What if people say after this, oh, I really like the first or the first two album, but now where are we going here? My my concern isn't that someone's going to like uh, my first record more than my 30th record. Because that's, I mean, they liked a record. So for me as a musician, that doesn't matter, I think, as much to to like different artworks, like art styles, like, like comedy. Um, but my biggest fear is like, 10 years after I'm dead, I blow up with fame for my music. <laughs> oh. That would suck so much to be oh, dead. Is... And then the, like then it's like an Elliot Smith, Nick Drake sort of yeah. like just this post. I mean, Elliot Smith was super famous alive. I, it's, I'm not I'm thinking of the wrong artist, but like someone that just after, like post death, they're like, oh man. That 12 songs for 12 friends record, man, what a masterpiece. And then it gets in like, you know, they start putting it into movies and stuff. And no. then like, there's a documentary about me and I never get to see it. Mm. Oh, that, that is, that, that is, that's my, I, it's not my biggest fear, but now it, I think it can still. <laughs> now it is. <laughs> it wasn't your biggest fear, but now it is. <laughs> yeah, I never thought about it. I think now I should think about it for the next one week. It's, it's <laughs> I wonder for a lot, I mean, I think for a lot of creative people, that must be such a nightmare to be like, what if I'm putting like all of, I mean, I've been putting 30 years of effort into what I want to do for a living. And then maybe I, I, you know, have a, a freak accident. And then because I died like young, then it blows up, you know, that's like, come on, man. <laughs> hey, Jordan, I have a question. Do you, do you feel, uh, I mean, how important is acceptance of your music to the people? You know, so in comedy, we have a, a like a immediate validation from the crowd. You know, is this joke good? They'll tell you right away with, by laughs. I I want to know, like in music, do you have that direct correlation, or do you? How do you judge your album or your song? Oh, that's. I mean, that's definitely um, a great question. I think it, we ha we have the same thing. Uh, com comedians and musicians when there's this live performance. Mm -hmm. The only difference kind of being is that 
people will not laugh at a joke that they don't think is funny. And that's so much, that's why it's so much more pressure for you guys, but they will clap at a song they didn't like. Yeah. So, you know, you just put this like pleasant, like songs over now. We're still talking at the bar, but the songs ended. So they're clapping. So there's still like, you can tell when people are interested and invested, especially when they sing along. Um, and when you feel this energy in the room, like that's that instant validation and it's incredible. I love that. Of course, I, I, I'm, i you know, musicians and, and comedians and um, that we, yeah, we need this attention, you know, like we're craving it and, and it's definitely the same feeling. But with um, releasing music, then it's a bit trickier because you're kind of in the dark about a lot of things like, you know, you you feel validated if radio stations put it into the rotation. You're like, okay, that single's cool. They put it in, you know, this station and that station. That's nice. Oh, this college picked it up. That's cool. Oh, someone wants to do an interview. That's nice. But then at the end of the day, you're kind of just looking at numbers and wondering, like, is that number good enough for me or not? Okay. So okay. it's a little bit okay. different otherwise. But the live part is the same for sure. Okay. No, it's, it's always interesting. It's like a good... Uh... Like interesting correlation between uh, music and comedy, no? Yeah, but there's one. But I, I think it, or as, as I see it, and I have absolutely no experience um, in 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 doing comedy. But but still, a huge difference that I see is that um, like the worst in music and also in like what I do within media is no reaction. But with a with a comedy show, no reaction is a reaction. Mm. yeah oh boy it's the worst reaction sometimes and uh, i mean imagine 25 to 50 blank faces looking at you mm. and they're not laughing and they are supposed to laugh and that i mean when you think about it, it's already quite strange you know like people are looking at you to have a involuntary reaction mm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, even laugh is such an involuntary thing. It's a very physiological thing. And now people want, and you're setting your room in such a way that uh, I periodically make them get this thing out of their mouth. Isn't that strange? That's mm. super strange, dude. And I think when we think about it more, it is very strange thing we do. And I, I want to think that, I mean, this is quite, uh, I don't know, evolutionary or something. And there were people hunting, there were people, you know, uh, getting the berries and stuff. But I think comedians and the musicians, we were just uh, entertaining after the hunting. You know, yeah. we were like, let me let me do this thing with the with the stones and stuff. <laughs> you know what happened when, when when we were hunting? This is what happened, man. Oh, that's so hilarious. Stop him. <laughs> <laughs> we were we were the guys like juggling. <laughs> yeah, we had to keep the people entertained when the others had you know died of. Diff- depression or starvation you know like we wouldn't survive otherwise <laughs> that's so true man <laughs> i would be the guy next to the caveman the caveman who's actually like building the fire from scratch with, with this like this hump of of like cattle meat over his shoulder that he caught with his bare hands and i'd be there with my hands around my waist like did you hear the one did you hear the one about the uh, ter- pterodactyl <laughs> and the uh and the t-rex huh uh, he's like, shut up, man. Just like, <laughs> and imagine if there's an improv group there next to the fire. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, and. <laughs> oh, my God, dude.
<laughs> oh man, but that's that's so cool, dude. And and I I really think um I I really can't wait to see you do stand up again eventually. Do you do you hear anything about any sort of opportunities for that? With music, it's a little bit harder. I think I hear about some concerts, but for 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 stand up, do you find anything happening? No, nothing, man. I mean, I think everything is. I mean, the bars are closed. The so the there's a direct correlation between bars and comedy, you know. So <laughs> yeah. So if the bars are closed, I mean, maybe there will be open air. Probably once the bars start, you know, they allow us to open it. And secondly, once things clear up a bit, or maybe I don't know. I think things cannot get back to normal at least for a year. I was speaking to a comedian today. Maybe it takes a year to. You know, we all sit tight together for 50 people, mm-hmm. all vaccinated maybe, and then yeah, we can have the clubs running. So at the moment, I don't see any good future. I mean, at least for now. Did, did you ever join in on any of these um, like Zoom shows, like doing stand-up over Zoom or anything? Oh, no, man. I really The one thing I really enjoy about stand-up, it's live. Yeah. So I know I'm being... Uh, I don't know, like a weirdo by not doing Zoom shows. No, dude, than... I, I did some live streams. I, I didn't like it at all. It's it's very different. Yeah, isn't that is it strange? I mean, I I I don't know. I don't see myself, but I've heard like mixed reviews now. I mean, I definitely heard about a a good handful of of comedians doing Zoom shows, and they either thought like, yeah, you know, it's fine. You know, I can kind of just try things out, and I still get paid for it. And then a few other people are like, man screw that. I would never do that. It's not the same at all. So, I mean, there's just different philosophies on that. For me as a musician, like I've done two live streams since Corona shut everything down. One of them was kind of okay. I had a bit more control over what I could do and it was like comfortable situation. But the other one was like, oh man, it was just a really crowded Zoom and they kind of had bad organization. The software was kind of cheap feeling like I just couldn't get things to run the way I wanted it to. And it was so stiff and I hated it. And I was like, I'm not going to do any more of these at all. You know, I think it's just, you try it and you're like, this sucks, man. You, you know, you do it like you do a song over the zoom and everyone has their mics muted. And then of course, you know, if it's like speaker view, it, it cuts to the first person that makes a sound after you're done. So you just finished that last strum of the guitar. And then on the zoom call, that was this very sweet, lady who was just like quietly clapping into the lens like like this like <laughs> that's so sweet and it was i felt like i was just playing for her and i was like oh man that's nice but i can't do this anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's really sad how much validation we need no i mean absolutely but i'm gonna take anything maybe i'm gonna i, sh- I should do a zoom show sometime but i mean if they offer it i'd it'd be interesting to know what your experience was when you did it, we can always um, call you and get an update about it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. Do you know um, where, like, do you have anything like online or anything where people can see any clips or anything of that you've done? Oh man, I, unfortunately nothing online. So I think um, my main motivation is my jokes will not be published till, I mean, I, the idea was to get it published and, in 2020, but uh, because I want them to be together in a YouTube channel, mm-hmm. uh, but people can follow me on Instagram. I think not so Gagan. That's my <laughs> that's my 
that's my instagram handle not, maybe i should not, change everything not so gagan yeah it's uh, no yeah not so and gagan it's like g a g a n and it's just not a so private gagan. account i mean i'm so bad at media stuff mo i think you should be better at this i i i, I just as long as it's in tubingen yeah as long as it's tubingen <laughs> freiburg uh, somewhere um but i just like you know i just i think i enjoy more the live thing i just like telling jokes in private and stuff so maybe i should change my game you know i don't know <laughs> but i've one more question since we we talked so much about the uncertain future and you mentioned earlier that for um certain things you you said it might take you another 10 years or something do you have defined goals as a comedian or any defined goal Yeah, I have a few defined goals. I mean, I have I mean my current goal is to do one hour of stand up, you know? So at least I mean this was my goal last year, end of last year sometime. Um so to get one hour of 60 minutes of good jokes and maybe do something with that, have a show of my own or like tour with that. So that is that is my current goal. So I I usually go one goal at a time. So I think if I can achieve that but and then maybe I'll be thinking more about uh, what to do with that hour or go to more festivals because would you ever can, try would you ever try and record like uh your like hire some people to record a special for you in a venue that you could release on YouTube like Mark Norman did Um I don't think so I feel hmm. Norman is in such a I mean different level he's doing it for 15 odd years and or yeah we attend so he's way ahead of me so i'm more interested in the craft of telling jokes and how to hone that mm-hmm. so if i get 60 minutes of great stuff i can do something play around with that and maybe go to a couple of places and probably go to some contests or festivals and stuff so this is my current goal and then maybe i'll think about i don't know social media i, I yeah And for you it's more about like building building the actual hour of of good material first. Yeah, so I'm that was maybe I should change everything man. I'm, I'm I might be completely wrong. No, it sounds like a great goal actually to have the content first and then you know when you have the hard work ready then you can you know promote or change whatever you need to change. Yeah, so I I want to have those jokes which okay the, these things work let me keep uh pushing them. So that's So that's why I don't have any YouTube channel also right now because I mean even if something happens even if it doesn't happen what am I going to do right now I can't do them live I I want um I want to, I don't want to spend those jokes right away so I want to do them I want to pack them up yeah. get them ready, and then probably play around later Yeah yeah That sounds nice It's a great goal I think that I think in having a solid hour It's a lot of work and I think it's a great goal to have for a comic man. I mean, I, I I believe in you. I think that would be really cool. Oh, thanks man. That's that's I really appreciate that. I I don't know if it's like an album for you guys. I mean, it's like in totally. in music it's like an album. No. So for me, I wouldn't say it's a special, but I just want to have one hour. Okay. If I can go to a room, I can entertain them for one hour. So I want to have that. So yeah. if I get get that going, then maybe I can build more. The funny difference between an hour Uh, album and an hour special is that musicians like build the whole album and then they release it and then they spend a year playing the same album over and over live for a comedian they spend i don't know a year or two building the hour up 
then when they release it, they have to start from the beginning again. Yeah. So once the jokes are online, I cannot do them anymore. So that is... Uh, That's so hard, man. You're back yeah. to zero every time you drop a special or drop an hour. Yeah. So that, is, I mean, it's the con of the game, I think. You're right. It's People can request, hey, play this song. <laughs> but in, in jokes, I mean, comedy, you can't have, hey, can you do that joke again? So, yeah, it's really But that's rare. something that I'm, that's, so that I have seen happening before in Germany. <laughs> like, um, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I also in German. Really? I mean, that is. You saw them requesting a joke? Like, I, I saw this once at an, at an open, open mic. And I often experienced it in like private circumstances. Hey, yo, t- go tell that joke. You know where the, where the rabbit does that and um, whatsoever. Could be a, a German uh, thing, I guess. <laughs> I think there's like so few jokes here in the land. We just want to play around with the same jokes. <laughs> like, we know that this one works very well and why why fix what is not broken, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if the, it's like the Russian system. No? If the, yeah, something is working, keep it running. You know, I don't want to... Um, <laughs> if the car is running, keep it running. Keep it running. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I have one last question from my side for you, Gagan. Is there anything you could think of as a fancy merchandise item for Jordan's upcoming album? Oh, fancy merchandise item. Uh, Something which... uh, Can I go random or something very specific to Jordan? Go random with it. I would say bracelets, man. I think that's just, we have to bring back bracelets. Like those rubber ones that you get at festivals? Yeah. I, don't you <laughs> don't you miss good old bracelets, like, like which says Jordan. Just bracelets with Jordan and... Uh, oh, it could yeah. be like WWJD. No, but, no. Well, <laughs> I haven't I think seen those just, in a long I just time. Went, I just went completely against what Impro stands for. No, no, not that. <laughs> like, like, no, not that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just totally... That's what yeah, podcasts are. Podcasts yeah. are Impro show, shows with a no ending. No yeah. ending. <laughs> but, but, you know, I think once, I even when I was doing Impro, I realized it was funnier sometimes when I just said no. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just rejected their idea. Oh, it's and it's the best feeling. <laughs> yeah that just goes like, so against the grain of the system <laughs> yeah it's like uh, everyone is yes anding and i'm just like um no <laughs> i wanted to say no to your idea right now <laughs> or the word uh, that, that's oh that's so hard when you're like you start a scene and someone's like hey charlie can you get more pastries we have to get the uh get the shipment of of baking goods ready before the kids come over and they're like what are you talking about? We're not baking things for kids. Oh, We're on yeah. a boat. <laughs> and you're like, what are you doing? I yeah. set it all oh. up. You just had to I, eat I, it. Oh, yeah. I used to hate uh, like people who used to do improv like that. And also, like when they say, hey, Charlie, can you do this? Yeah, sure, Sylvia. No, my name is, uh, uh, I don't know, Rukmani or something. They used to completely change the name yeah. with every sentence. Oh, yeah. It was uh, uh. really annoying. Um, but yeah, bracelets. It is, and I, I wrote it down. I asked for that um, because I don't know if you know this. If you only if you have listened to the last episode, Gagan, that we had kind of a deal in terms of that, Jordan. If you um, find a number of 
pre-orders that should have happened until a certain date, and that happens, there will be an extra merch item. Yes, so I have decided we're going to add the pre-order link for the new album in the description for this episode that, um, for your knowledge, Gagan comes out uh, Thursday morning. Whoa. We will... So right now, what we have for the merchandise listing is we have the we have the CD, and if the, the we have the bundles that have like uh, stickers and tote bags and and buttons and stuff like the classics. But if we can if we get the pre order number to one hundred pre orders, then I will definitely get um, Jordan Prince Simple Swimmer which is the name of the album Simple Swimmer Hats nice I've been wearing like these kinds of hats for a long time I think it's time to have some Jordan Prince hats for other people and if we get the pre-order to 200 of whatever of the bundle deals you choose from we will add limited edition hoodies as well Ooh, all with geese artwork all with the original artwork for, for for this specific album which has its own its own look and brand um uh, yeah i would say 100 pre-orders hats 200 pre-orders hoodies and you know what maybe for those if we get to 200 and people are getting hoodies i think i'm just going to order a limited edition of bracelets as well nice. and just throw them in the box with it <laughs> nice just, so you can have I, the sticker, the tote, the bag, the pin, the bracelet, the hoodie, the hat. You can just be a good old Jordan Prince fan. <laughs> I would love it. Can cool. I order right away? Or Absolutely, man. It's available right now. Um, right. So I would, say, I would say we could wrap it up here. Um, Gagan, thank you so much, man. This has been such a great episode. It's such a pleasure to hear your backstory and to hear your thoughts on comedy. And man, I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me, man. Uh, it was really a pleasure, and it was great meeting uh, my favorite Tubingen friend, Mo. And <laughs> <laughs> I've with... never been in Tubingen, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if you go to Tubingen and everyone recognizes you. Oh, it's oh, Mo is here. <laughs> we already built a statue last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's Tom. Tom from Tubingen. Tubingen Tom. Tubingen Tom. And thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Man, pleasure's all ours, man. Have a great night. Stay safe, stay healthy, and let us know if you do a Zoom uh, show or next time you have a real show, and we'll do a check-in where we can ask you back to uh, give us an update on how you're doing. Definitely. Will do. All right, buddy. Have a good night, and bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take, take care, guys. Bye. Oh, what a wonderful episode. If you enjoyed today's episode and you like our show, please go to Apple Podcasts, give us a subscription or a review or a comment. It really helps new listeners find our show. You can also follow us on Instagram at Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. We're also now on Facebook and on YouTube and on Twitter at Fartsy Artsy. No, at Artsy Fartsy Pod. <laughs> we changed it at Artsy Fartsy Pod. So, uh, yes, and if you want to financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash jordanprince and where you can submit for as low as $3 a month some money to help us get this show bigger and better just for you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Look out, baby, the saints are coming through. And it's all over now.
Artsy Farsi Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider, produziert für M94.5.